everybody. Welcome to Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics and the law and a lot of things in between. And boy, do we have a lot of both of those things today. We are recording this episode right after the Senate voted to acquit President Trump in his second impeachment trial. We're going to talk about the politics of it, and we're going to talk about my favorite thing, the legal questions. What was actually at issue here? What did House managers have to prove? What did the defense have to show? And what does this mean going forward? So welcome to my co-host, Joe Armstrong. And if you could, could you bring us up to date on exactly what happened? What was the vote? Who voted what? And then we'll jump into the legal questions. Absolutely, Jessica. All these things and more. Always lovely to talk to you about these things. Big news day. The vote today in the Senate was 57 to 43 against Donald Trump. But that vote was 10 votes shy of the two-thirds majority needed to convict the former president. A little simple math tells us that that would have been 67 votes. They did not meet that threshold. All 50 Democrats were joined by seven Republicans for this vote. Richard Burr, Bill Cassidy, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney, Ben Sass, and Pat Toomey all voted along with those Democrats. Now, if you look at the baseball card for all of those particular representatives, those particular senators, you will see that several of them are retiring. Some of them have got four years before they run again, so they don't have as much to lose as some of those other people who voted not to convict Donald Trump. Now, that entire Senate trial, if it felt like a blink of an eye, it's because it was. The entire Senate trial took five days And that makes a total of 32 days between his impeachment by the House on January 13th and today's vote. For a worthy of note here, Trump's first impeachment took 50 days between the House representatives' vote to impeach Donald Trump and the first acquittal in the Senate. But Jessica, let's back up, set aside the numbers for this a little bit here. What got us to this point? Can you lay the groundwork for us and then remind us what the article of impeachment was for this trial? Sure. Well, there was just one article of impeachment for this trial. It was incitement of an insurrection. And of course, this is a result of the speech that the president gave on January 6th, where he told his supporters that the election was stolen. And then he told them that they had to fight and that they should march to Capitol Hill, where Congress was, of course, in a joint session certifying the results of the election. And his supporters, in fact, did march to Capitol Hill. And then they committed um, violent offenses. They, uh, in the most serious instance, people died as a result of what happened that day. And there was also property damage. And, um, you know, one of the things that the House managers did is they showed security camera footage that showed really how dangerous it was for senators and members of Congress that day. So this is unlike the first impeachment, which, again, let's just say it's a very strange thing to talk about the first impeachment trial of a president. Uh, We want impeachment trials to be rare. But this is unlike the first impeachment trial, where I think it was kind of difficult to explain exactly what happened, why it rose to the level potentially of an impeachable offense. In this case, again, the big question was, President Trump made this speech He told people the election was stolen. He told them to go to the Capitol. He told them to fight. They did do that. Does that rise to the impeachable offense level? Did he, in fact, uh, incite an insurrection? And is that a high crime and misdemeanor? And the Senate answered that question today, and they said, no, it wasn't. 
Now, there were two votes here, Jessica. They voted twice. First was earlier this week when the Senate voted as to whether or not they could even go so far as to hold an impeachment trial for an ex-president, Donald Trump, having lost that election, at least in our reality. And second, about whether Trump committed an impeachable offense. Now, can you remind us about that first argument a bit? Yeah, the first argument here is, well, we can't even hold an impeachment trial with respect to a private citizen, meaning Donald Trump, because he's no longer president. So phrased another way, the question is, can we hold an impeachment trial for somebody who's no longer in office? Now, for many reasons, I think the answer is absolutely yes. And in fact, the Senate voted that the answer was yes. Super briefly, because I just cannot help myself, the answer is yes, because when it comes to impeachments, there are two different punishments if you are, in fact, convicted. One is removal from office. Obviously, President Trump was already removed from office because his term expired. And the other is disqualification from holding a future office. Now, that is just as true and just important, regardless of whether you are currently in office or if you are no longer holding a federal office. And think about what would happen if the reverse were true. It would mean that people could engage in the worst type of behavior at the very end of their term, or they could engage in terrible behavior and then just resign in the middle of their terms and say, well, you can't impeach me because I'm no longer in that office. That just doesn't make sense in terms of the text of the Constitution, the structure of the Constitution, how we think about our government in terms of accountability. And so for a whole host of reasons, I think that is a losing argument. And a majority of the Senate agreed. But, and I don't mean to give away the ending here, that's the reason that Senator Mitch McConnell gave for voting to acquit here. He said in a speech after the vote, he said, I think the president is practically and morally responsible for the insurrection, but I don't think we could have constitutionally held this trial. Let's remember why we had a delay in holding the trial. It was then Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell who said, I'm not calling the senators back to hold the trial. We can hold the trial after the president's term expired. So he created the problem that he said was the linchpin, the primary factor for his vote to acquit. Echoes of the Ruth Bader Ginsburg conundrum there, Jessica. So once the Senate voted to proceed with the trial, what did House managers have to prove here? This is a great question, and it brings me to something I've been saying, which is the first, second, and third things that you have to know about impeachment trials is that they're not really trials, right? They're really political arguments. They happen in a political form. We call it a trial, but you don't even have to prove that a crime occurred in order to impeach somebody. We don't know exactly what high crimes and misdemeanors mean, but we know that, again, you don't have to show, look, I satisfy a federal statute in this case. So the federal rules of evidence don't apply. There's different rules with respect to due process. So to your question, what did House managers have to prove? Enough to try and convince 67 senators that the president of the United States incited an insurrection. And the way they did that, I think, was actually incredibly forceful and impactful. They First, they tried to situate the speech that the president gave on January 6th in a larger context. And they said, look, this didn't come out of nowhere. The president had said for months, the election is going to be stolen. Then the election happened. And the president said, look, the election was stolen. And what's the solution for that? 
the president said the solution is to fight. And he said tacitly, and I believe directly, that violence was, in fact, acceptable. And so that's really what the House managers tried to show. Again, putting that speech in context. The other thing they did that I thought was very smart is that they showed footage of that day. They showed senators from across the aisle in real and imminent danger. They showed Senator Mitt Romney running for safety. They showed that this was not just a matter of Democratic lawmakers being in danger. And um, so I thought that they put on a very effective case. Of course, maybe we shouldn't use the word case. We should say political argument. But because it was a political argument and not a trial, it was not a successful argument. So Jessica, is there a standard of proof? How much proof did House managers need to come forward with to get a conviction here? Uh, Same answer, basically, enough to convince 67 senators. So this is a question I get a lot, which is, well, do the House managers have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this behavior occurred, meaning that the president incited an insurrection? And the answer is no. We haven't even constitutionally settled on what the standard of proof is in an impeachment trial. Again, we're basically talking about a political argument here. And think about who's making the decision, not impartial jurors, senators who were in fact themselves part of the story of what happened, who were witnesses to the activities, who are in no way just neutral and impartial bystanders here. So it's strange, I think, for a lot of people because we use words like trial and defense and jurors and, you know, the presiding officer. But it is so removed, in fact, from any arguments that you would have in a courtroom. And let's remind people that the most recent arguments that President Trump had in a courtroom were spectacularly unsuccessful. And that's the post-election litigation where he was really... I think won one minor case and lost upwards of 65 post-election cases. Now, Jessica, moving on to the defense, the other side gets their chance to speak in not a court, but in a political court in this case. What were the defense's main arguments that Donald Trump shouldn't be convicted? I saw a lot of different and sometimes strange things play out over the last couple of days. What were their arguments? Yeah, so their primary argument, even though they lost this last week, of course, was we can't hold this trial. It's not constitutional to hold an impeachment trial. And they kept saying that over and over again. And of course, that's what Senator Mitch McConnell latched onto in query as to whether he had actually voted to convict if there would, in fact, have been the needed 10 senators, uh, the 10 Republican senators who would have uh, gone with him. We'll never know the answer to that question. What they also argued here is that the president lacked due process, that this was rushed, there wasn't enough of an investigation. I will just say this is deeply ironic because the House managers asked the president to testify. That would have provided him with plenty of opportunity to explain his side of the story. Uh, He declined that invitation. They also argued about the First Amendment, and they said, look, there's a defense here to incitement of insurrection. The president was just engaged in political speech, and that's the type of speech that is most protected under the First Amendment, freedom of speech. The answer is that argument, one, doesn't apply in this form, and two, even in a courtroom, I'm not certain that that would be a winning argument. We absolutely have a really strong and robust tradition of First Amendment protection, particularly for political speech, but 
I'm not even sure that defense would carry the day in this particular case. Strange days, Jessica. Now, there was a bit of a curveball and some drama earlier today about whether or not witnesses would be called, which could have extended the duration of this trial significantly. Now, I researched this a bit, and I'm still not entirely clear what happened earlier today. Can you clear that up for us a little bit? Yeah, so there was a big discussion about whether there was a member of Congress, Congresswoman Butler, who had, in fact, heard that there was a conversation between Congressman uh, Kevin McCarthy and President Trump, and that the conversation was Congressman McCarthy saying to the president, you have to tell your supporters to stop this. We're in danger. And the president saying, well, I guess my supporters really care more about the election than you do, Kevin. And at first, the House managers actually won a vote to call witnesses and to call her. And the reason they wanted to call her is because the defense was arguing, well, that basically that didn't happen. And so the House managers won this vote to call witnesses. And then there's all of a sudden there's a Senate recess. Everybody comes back. And as it turns out, there's a bipartisan agreement that they will just essentially read this congresswoman's statements into the record, that it will be part of the record here. Now, later, the President Trump's defense team actually said, well, sure, it's part of the record, but we're not sure that it's true. And so I think when we all look back at this trial, this will be a real moment where people are trying to play what is it, Monday morning quarterback, where they say that, you know, the House managers absolutely should have called her, and it would have been very strong, very forceful. And it sounds like basically Senate Democrats made a calculation that they didn't want the trial to continue. They knew what the outcome was going to be. They didn't want to continue to hold up President Biden's agenda. They know that this is precious time, that a president basically has the first two years. And here's a president in the middle of a pandemic, an economic crisis, crisis dealing with racial justice and climate change, and that they didn't want to have that sort of protracted experience. And so here we are again no witnesses in the Senate trial of both the first and second trial of President Trump. Oh, Jessica, so as I have said so very many times over the last six years, here we are. Now, we all know what happened today. What is your big takeaway from the events of today, Jessica, and the events of this impeachment trial? Actually, I think I've been talking so much. I'm going to turn the tables for a second, if that's okay, and ask you first, What was your big takeaway? I mean, I I feel like I kind of watched in a little bit of an echo chamber, and I want to know, what were your thoughts? Well, Jessica, I think for me, the thing to remember here is that the second impeachment trial was so very many things, but it wasn't pointless. I heard a lot of people talking in the socials and friends that I've talked to saying, well, there was no point to that. Why do we even waste the time and money? I heard that coming from both sides of the aisle. But now we've watched how the Shakespearean tragedy has unfolded in the last six years. And I don't think very many people ever thought that Donald Trump would be convicted in the Senate this time around. Historian Heather Cox Richardson said that it wasn't just Trump that was on trial here. It was the Republican senators themselves. Now, we also all knew that they weren't going to vote to convict themselves. I'm left with the same feeling I had when Trump was impeached by the House just a week after the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. Seems like a long time ago. Wasn't that long ago. Just last month. It is crucial that these senators stood and were counted as for which side of history they chose to stand upon. 
It seems to me, Jessica, partisanship remains more important to them than facts do. It remains more important to them the oath that they took and more important than their loyalty to the United States of America, their fellow country persons. It seems to me, Jessica, the current Republican Party is the party of the cult of Donald Trump, just as it has been for the last six years. Forty-three Republican senators voted today to reaffirm his control of their party, and we will now have to see what that effect has on the new Biden administration's ability to govern. And Jessica, before I let this go, another thing to remember is that an impeachment trial, you, you, you alluded to this before, it isn't the same thing as a trial in a court of law. In an impeachment trial, in this case, the Senate comprises the jurors. And in a specific impeachment trial, those jurors are the same people who would have been appeasing the relentless false accusations of election fraud by the former president. They also happen to be potential victims of this insurrection. They were there in the Capitol on that day. They were voting. So the jury was anything but impartial in their position as co-conspirators and possible victims in here. Now, I'm also left wondering, Jessica, why we have an impeachment at all if everything is just going to be an exercise in party loyalty tests. It just seems like party is more important than country. One final thought, Jessica, I will leave you with this. Regardless of the outcome of today's trial, I am thankful that we didn't have to listen to Donald Trump's running Twitter barrage throughout this process. Wow. <laughs> you, I'm, glad you, I'm glad I asked because you had a lot of takeaways and a lot of closing thoughts. You yeah, know- a lot to say. I'm not going to repeat um, what you said and where we may agree or, or, or disagree. What I'm going to repeat is the idea that I think there is a point in this. You know, you said, why did we do this? If we knew the outcome, if um, it seems like the most important question here is what is your party affiliation? And I think because, and I'm sorry to sound so much like a law professor here, but if there is a provision in the Constitution that says, here's what you do when action rises to a certain level, then you have to use that constitutional provision. You know, we only are able to live with the Constitution as our governing document because we respect it. It's like a relationship. We adhere to it. We respect it. And if we just stop using provisions because it's not politically expedient, then these provisions become hollow and we have kind of a tenuous relationship with the Constitution. So I am still glad that we held the trial. And I'm glad in terms of history that it'll show we use those constitutional provisions and people voted publicly. And if you agree with the vote, then I think you should know exactly how your representatives voted. And if you disagree with the vote, I think you should know exactly how your representatives voted. So I am very glad that I get to have these conversations with you. I hope that this was the whole point of the podcast, which is in a fun way to try and answer the big questions that you have about this impeachment. And you can find my co-host, Joe Armstrong, as he would say, across the socials on In-Depth Day. You can find me on Twitter at Levinson Jessica, the podcast on Twitter at Pass Judgment Pod, on Instagram at Passing Judgment Pod. And we wish you all some rest after this final impeachment trial of President Trump. And we will talk to you soon.